Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. And welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 30. In today's show, we'll be welcoming back Bruce Talgan, who has recently revised and updated his best-selling book, Not Everyone Gets a Trophy. Bruce will be sharing with us the challenge, process, and great rewards of hiring, onboarding, and growing the next generation of employees that have the potential to be tomorrow's greatest workforce. Good morning, Chai. Good morning, Craig. Hey, today we're going to be talking about millennials. Ah, yes, millennials, the next generation of up-and-coming digital natives that are taking over the world like a swarm of locusts. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that what every generation thought? (laughs) Oh, yeah, of course, right? So I was Gen Xer, and we were slackers, and we weren't motivated, and we didn't care about anything, and we wanted everything handed to us. How about you? Oh, we were boomers. You know, it was the career. The career was everything, anything for the career. So, yeah, different perspectives, but it's interesting to look at the differences, but also the similarities. Yeah, I think it's important, right? It's so easy to fall into that grumpy old man mode and just be like, oh, these damn kids today. I'll tell you, it wasn't like that when I was a kid. But but like you said, the reality is there's a lot more similarities than differences. And what's really exciting to me about this group is this idea of digital natives, you know, thinking about people that have just grown up with devices and access to information and social networks. What the power of that is just fascinating to me. Yeah, and there's so much energy there. And if it can be motivated and aligned in the right direction for a business and into growth on both sides, it's a tremendous return for both sides. Yeah, and I think that millennials do tend to get a bad rap sometime in the workplace because some of their older generation bosses just have a hard time trying to relate with them on a basic level and could be putting them off in ways they don't even realize. And it could be just such a positive experience for both of them if it's managed and introduced properly. And so I think it's going to be great to talk with Bruce. We got Bruce back today and he's just a wealth of knowledge in their research organization. They really focus on this and he's kind of the guru on different generations and especially the millennials, some new research that he's put together. So I think we got some great content today. But before that, I also want to mention we're going to be releasing the survey. And the survey is so important. It tells us more about our listening audience. And specifically, tell us what you like. Where do you think we should be looking at and growing towards? And what's important to you and what information you need? And who would you like to hear from in the industry to help you in your business and running your business and growing it? So, Be online, um, look at the survey, go to the website, check out the survey, and there's going to be drawing. So somebody's going to come away with a great Amazon gift card. So really please go to the survey. It's short, it's quick, concise. Really appreciate that. Our guest today is Bruce Talgan. Bruce is the author of Not Everyone Gets a Trophy, How to Manage the Millennials. He is internationally recognized as the leading expert on young people in the workplace, and one of the leading experts on leadership and management. Bruce is a best-selling author, 
I count over 12 of his book titles on Amazon alone. Additionally, he's an advisor to business leaders all over the world and a sought-after keynote speaker and management trainer. He is the founder of his company, Rainmaker Thinking, providing ongoing in-depth research in management and leadership. Good morning, Bruce. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me on the show again. Again, it's fantastic. You're our first return guest, and we're really looking forward to this because we absolutely enjoyed the first time we had with you, and your books are fantastic and insightful. So looking at this book, written a book that has some strong insight for business owners and managers when it comes to managing millennials. I know that millennials don't like to be actually called millennials, so it's kind of interesting. And this is a 2016 update to your book. What caused you to invest all the volume of time needed to enhance your previous work? Well, you know, we've been tracking young people in the workplace since 1993. And you're very kind to say such nice things about our work. We've been doing this in-depth research now for 23 years. And I will say that Generation Xers didn't like being called Generation X either. So uh, it's the millennials' turn, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, like the baby boomers, demographers have been looking at the millennials as this vast cohort, uh, those born 1978 to 2000. And that would mean that 16-year-olds are in the same generation as 38-year-olds. And, and that has never seemed quite right to us. And just as the baby boom came in two waves, the millennial generation seems to be coming in two waves. And as we've been tracking them since they first came into the workplace, and that research has continued, the first edition of Not Everyone Gets a Trophy came out in 2009. Well, that was seven years ago, and our research has continued. And so this updated edition, it's more calibrated to focus on the second wave millennials, the youngest, least experienced people, the new young workforce that's emerging today. And the second wave millennials, it's a continuation of a lot of the same trends, but there are a lot of twists and turns. So I wanted to keep this updated for leaders and managers who rely on a lot of young talent. What a lot of our clients have told us is that they're ever trying to adjust to the new young workforce. And so the second wave millennials are no exception. And I've noticed that the initial piece was the Gen Y as far as 1978 to 1989. And then the Gen Z that you're talking about of uh, 1990 to 2000. And I noticed also that They've been consumers and users and buyers of goods. They've been the customer for a long time. And this sort of flows into some of their style and some of their tendencies. And I also noted that by 2020, they're going to be 20% of the workforce. So it's something that really catches the interest of a business owner. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're looking at the emerging young workforce, if you're hiring young people, then you've got to be paying attention to the second wave millennials we sometimes call them Generation Z. So the first wave millennials, we call Generation Y. The second wave millennials, we call Generation Z. It could be that that language is a bias of coming from a Gen Xer like myself. But uh, our latest data indicates that by 2020, 
those born 1990 and later, the second wave millennials, Generation Z, is likely to be 24% of the North American workforce. The numbers are the same for Western Europe. Uh, One of the things to know about the second wave millennials, though, is that increasingly this is a rising global youth tide because other parts of the world are much younger than North America and Western Europe. So it'll be about 24% of the Western workforce. But if you look at South Asia, East Asia, Africa, Latin America, the percentage is much, much higher. Bruce, this next generation that you're talking about, the digital natives, are basically taking over the world, I think is what you're saying, (laughs) which is appropriate. So what are the implications of the things that they grew up with and how do they shake out demographically? Yeah, I mean, I'm making vast generalizations about tens of millions of people at a time. And of course, there are as many stories within each generation as there are people. But our data on especially the North American second wave millennials shows that a lot of the so-called experts out there are giving a lot of managers bad advice. And I think especially for business owners, if you're telling managers, hey, today's young workforce, they've always gotten a trophy. So give them a trophy just for showing up. You know, they've learned how to think, learn, and communicate having uh, handheld supercomputers attached to their brain all the time. So just give them a handheld device and leave them alone to manage themselves. They've learned that all styles are equally valid. So let them come to work whenever they feel like it and bring their dog. That somehow we should try to make work fun for them. I think for 99% of managers in the real world, that advice is nonsense. And, what <laughs> you know, and yes, they're different. Yes, these things are true about how they've grown up. But what it means for leaders and managers is not, hey, we should expect them to be a bunch of disloyal, delicate, lazy, greedy, disrespectful, inappropriate slackers with short attention spans. That doesn't help any. And what we've learned in our research is that any young person worth hiring wants to be taken seriously at work, not humored. And they want to be set up for success in the real world, not have leaders who pretend that they should get a trophy just for showing up. And so I think the biggest mistake for real leaders in the real world is somehow trying to humor young people today. Our data shows that they respond to strong, highly engaged managers. They've always had a lot of structure and boundaries, so give them structure and boundaries. They've always had close relationships with their parents, teachers, and counselors. So give them a lot of guidance, direction, support, and coaching. Uh, But you've got to make expectations clear every step of the way and keep score and let them know that, yeah, if you want something, you've got to be prepared to earn it every step of the way. And what we find is, uh, yeah, of course, millennials want more money. They want more flexibility. They want more training. They want more interesting projects. They want exposure to decision makers. Sure, they want everything, but they don't expect any of that on a silver platter. When we interview millennials, what they tell us is, tell me exactly what I need to do to earn that. And they want to do business with leaders who are willing to do business with them, who are willing to engage them, and they're perfectly ready to have high standards set for them. They want leaders who are going to help them 
earn more of what they need and want every step of the way. So I think, sure, I've been raised by helicopter parents on steroids, telling them all styles are equally valid. But what teachers need to do is take a strong hand, not a weak hand. Along those lines, Bruce, starting way back at the beginning, you know, I deal with a lot of business owners that pull their hair out because this is such a high-maintenance environment for them. They're trying to understand it. Let's back up to the actual recruiting and hiring process in the new wave of workers. How would you characterize the process that should change regarding recruiting and hiring? Well, you know, I wrote a book called Winning the Talent Wars in 2001. And the talent wars today are very different from those of the past. Most managers today are savvy enough to realize that hiring one very good person is better than hiring three or four mediocre people. And the labor pool is tighter now. Unemployment is down, especially if you're hiring people with critical technical skills. It's much more important to hire the right person than to just hire someone and build a role. I think what leaders need to do is, step one, you've got to attract a sufficiently large applicant pool that you can be selected. So part of recruiting is sales. But I think the biggest mistake that business owners make when it comes to hiring young people is they sell them all the way in the door into their job. And our advice is step one, sell, 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 sell. Step two, before you hire them, be very, very, very selective. And once you've got them interested and they want to come work for you, you have to bite the bullet and tell them all the downsides of the job. I call it try to scare them away. So step one, have as many people to choose from as you can. Step two, try to scare them away. Step three, see who's left. And then you want to have really good testing, really good interviewing, maybe use a very good job preview to make sure they know what they're getting into and to give you an opportunity to really make sure you're hiring the right person. But you have to be very tuned in to first the attraction, then the selection, then the onboarding and up to speed process. And so we divide hiring into those three pieces, and they're very different missions, attraction, selection, and then the onboarding and up-to-speed training. And that's where I start with our clients. Bruce, I have to say that what you're describing seems like really great advice for hiring and also managing for any generation of employee. Can you help make the distinctions to why this is so important with this particular cohort, if we're talking about the Gen Z, especially that cohort? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. These best practices are critical for hiring people of any age. So then the question becomes, how do you calibrate your attraction process for the new young workforce? And maybe an old-fashioned recruiting message, an old-fashioned attraction message might have been, hey, come work for us. Pay your dues. Climb the ladder. Do as you're told. Keep your head down. Keep your mouth shut. Sue will notice you. And in the long run, here are the long-term rewards you can get. Uh, Here's what you get in five years. Here's what you get in 10 years. Here's what you get in 20 years. So that would have been an old-fashioned attraction message that might appeal to older, more experienced people of previous generations. 
Uh, what today's young workforce wants to know is, what do you want from me today, tomorrow, next week, this month, and what do you have to offer me today, tomorrow, next week, and this month? So the first adjustment you have to make is in the time frame. Today's young workforce, they think short-term and transactional. And people of all ages are thinking more that way. And one of the things about the new young workforce that's different today is they're not going to get more like us. We're going to get more like them because, you know, we happen to be at this transition point in history. And so people of all ages are thinking more short-term and transactional. But young workers can throw you off because if they're trying to speak the language of employers, they might humor you and start talking to would-be employers in the hiring process about five years, 10 years, 15 years. But that's not what will really attract them. So you got to think today, tomorrow, this week, next month, this year. That's the first piece. The second calibration you have to make when it comes to the attraction message is when it comes to money. Money is a threshold issue. They want to know how much do I get walking in the door, but the real thing they want to know about money is what do I need to do to earn more? If I work smarter, faster, better, can I pull the lever and earn more money faster? I don't want to wait until the end of the year where I get a 2% raise or a 2.5% raise. What do I need to do to earn more? And that's an example of their short-term transactional thinking. Beyond money, they want to know, what do I need to do to earn more control over my own schedule? That's the second most important thing. And then the other non-financial issues that they'll be tuned into is relationship opportunities at work. So who am I going to be working with and who am I going to have to deal with? And then the third non-financial issue is task choice. How much control am I going to have over task choice? How much of the grunt work am I going to have to do? And then how many interesting projects will I have? Fourth is learning opportunities. What am I going to be learning? And fifth is location and workspace. And location is everything from, you know, I don't want to work in Cleveland. I want to work in Detroit to, hey, if I have to work here in this cubicle, can I bring my dog? And these are the quid pro quo of work that, you know, everybody cares about these things. But the millennials, and especially the second wave millennials, they want to know what's on the other side of this equation. And so when you're trying to attract today's young workers, the first calibration you have to make is don't talk long-term, talk short-term. Uh, the second calibration is when it's money, you got to focus on the performance-based reward opportunities. And then the non-financials are schedule, relationships, task choice, learning opportunities, location, and workspace. And that's how we help our clients build an attraction message so that lots of young people want to come work for you. Once you have a sufficiently large applicant pool, then the next step is to be very, very selective. That's great advice, Bruce. It's going to put a lot of business owners and managers at ease knowing that there is a formula here and adopting that new formula, a new wave of attraction and a new level of filter, too. Absolutely. And, you know, they are human beings, millennials, right? I mean, I realize their parents have been trying to raise a new species of superhuman, but they are <laughs> still human, you know. So they want the same things that people have always wanted. But 
this is how you start to calibrate for generational change. And now that you've filtered down to a select set of candidates and you've decided on one or two and bringing them on board, what's different about bringing them on board with the millennial set? Well, my advice is don't fall into the trap of, hey, I know this is your first day, but for me, this is just Monday. So, you know, I've been here for 20 years. So why don't you just sit over here and look over some documents that we've pulled together for you while I figure out what to do with you. And then we'll have you shadow somebody and, you know, start moving your arms and legs and pretty soon you'll be doing what everybody else is. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's how a lot of business owners in the real world try to integrate uh, new employees. And they say, oh, yeah, we've always done it that way. I know I should probably do more, but it'll be fine. It won't be fine. If you've hired a young person and you've put the time and energy into hiring the right young person, they walk in the door with a spark of excitement. And you have an opportunity to pour water on that spark or gasoline on that spark. And if you don't grab a hold of them on their way in the door and put a bunch of time and energy into getting them on board and up to speed, then you are going to pour water on that spark. And within a few weeks or months, you're going to start thinking, oh, I guess we hired the wrong person. And the reality is that when you bring that new young person in, you've got to treat their onboarding process like boot camp. So my view is the most effective employer of young people in the world today is the United States Marine Corps. They've got a very good onboarding program. Perhaps you've heard of it. And their approach is very intensive. They don't leave new young employees alone for a minute. So remember that millennials, nobody's ever left them alone for a minute. They were raised by helicopter parents on steroids. They've had structure, boundaries, scheduling every step of the way. And typically, they've had good relationships with grownups. They love grownups. So they walk in the door. They look at this and say, well, this is your company, right? So they're going to take all their cues from you. And if you put them in a sink or swim environment, then you're going to undermine the success of that hire. So my advice is you have to have a very intensive onboarding process. I mean, that's my advice for people of any age. But again, with the youngest, least experienced people, you put them in a sink or swim environment and they're either going to drown, they're going to swim off in their own direction, or they're going to get out of the pool and leave. Bruce, do you have any advice on managing the feedback loop that you're sometimes going to experience with the younger workforce? So, for instance, at the risk of overgeneralizing for millions and millions of people, one of the things we've heard, and perhaps you can dispel the myth if this is not a characteristic, but it's one of the things that managers and leaders may experience is that one of the things that they may experience with the younger worker is that they want more autonomy, yet at the same time, you're also saying provide them with more guidance and that they respect and like working with older folks, yet sometimes the experience is that the older person is not an authority figure by virtue of just being older because Google is an authority figure. I can get that information somewhere else I don't need you, person who's supervising me, and you're not as smart as you think you are. How would you advise someone to react to that kind of a scenario? Yeah, I mean, one thing you can be sure is what they want from older, more experienced people 
is not for older, more experienced people to try to teach them things they can learn more easily from a menu-driven information system. So if they can learn it quickly from a menu-driven information system, let them pursue that self-directed learning that they're so accustomed to doing. What they're looking for from older, more experienced people is experience, context, wisdom, uh, the things you can't accelerate the learning curve on. And what they usually want from older, more experienced people is sufficient boundaries and clear expectations to give them some autonomy within those boundaries. So what most young people, they think they want to be left alone, but remember, nobody's ever left them alone for a minute. Right. It's, hey, your piano lesson's over. In 45 minutes, we leave for soccer practice. So now enjoy your alone time. (laughs) So to them, that's autonomy. So you have to remember that what autonomy looks like to one generation for Generation Xers, it was, hey, go out and play. And then your mother locked the door because she didn't want to see you for seven hours. So what they want is to be set up for success. They want clear instructions, clear goals clear timelines. But my view is that is the work that managers need to do to create real empowerment. You know, figure it out, sink or swim, reinvent the wheel, do it however you think it should be done, even though it's not up to you, is false empowerment. And when managers do that, they end up coming back a day later or a week later and saying, no, 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 not like that. We have standard operating procedures for this. Or uh, I told you to take a crack at it, but, you know, you you can't make it yellow. It's got to be blue or gold. And I promise you that young person sitting there thinking, well, what's the difference between gold and yellow? And somebody (laughs) needs to explain that. So what they want is managers who take the time to teach them, set them up for success, spell out expectations, create the boundaries of real empowerment, which is clear goals, clear guidelines and parameters, clear timeframes of what's up to you and what's not up to you. And then, yes, they want time to explore. And what older, more experienced people need to do is position themselves as teachers and coaches But be aware of what they want to learn from you. And I promise you, they don't want to learn from you things they can learn more easily from a computer. Bruce, you mentioned staying close to them and working with them in their early phases of business they're working in. We talk with a lot of managers and owners that we ask them, are you setting up scheduled mentoring events with your people? And there's this silence. And, well, when do you meet with your people? Well, when it's time for performance review once a year or once every six months. Here really brings forward that need to have a scheduled weekly or biweekly time one-on-one with your new employee and carrying that through. Does that seem to be effective for you? Yeah, what we recommend for leaders and managers of people of any age is that they create a regular structured dialogue with their direct reports. Again, to calibrate for the new young workforce, what we find is that they tend to respond best to more frequent meetings, more focused, frequent meetings where they get direction and feedback. So everybody thrives on structure. Most people resist structure, and then it turns out they thrive on structure. 
But the youngest, least experienced people, what we find is more often than managers are usually accustomed to. So if everybody would benefit from meeting with a leader, manager, supervisor for clarifying direction and getting feedback and troubleshooting once a week or every other week, your youngest, least experienced people probably twice a week, three times a week, maybe every day. See, everybody's different. So the general trend is more often is better. Shorter, more often, that's the formula for coaching younger workers. Shorter meetings and more often. And one-on-one is where all the action is. But you have to calibrate for each person. A lot of young people, your best bet is to coach them for five or ten minutes on their way in the door and coach them for five or ten minutes on their way out the door. That's high maintenance, but sometimes that's how you create the greatest execution focus. And you might find somebody who is not performing at the highest level, that person's not a loser. They just need more direction and feedback. It sounds like it's an investment. The investment is largely upfront and it's continuous. And the return on investment is some loyalty to the company and hopefully long-term retention. Yeah, two things. One is you're right that the investment up front is greater. And almost always with people of any age, but with the youngest, least experienced people, you know, almost always, let's say you meet with them twice a day for the first few weeks that they're working for you, you know, and then maybe it's once a day and then it's every other day. And then once a week is probably fine. So the good news is you can pull back a little bit on the frequency of your teaching and coaching and feedback. And then the second piece is, you're right, that this is how you build trust and confidence. Young people are not going to give you that trust and confidence without getting to interact with you in this kind of highly engaged way for a period of time. But if you do engage with them, you're much more likely to win their trust and confidence. And that definitely increases the likelihood that they will continue to work for you for a longer period of time. What young people who work for an employer for a longer period of time, almost always that happens because over and over and over again, they decide not to leave just yet. And then, you know, after a couple of years, it turns out they've been there for a while. But the other piece of the puzzle is when they do leave, You want them to leave on really good terms. You want to maintain a relationship with them. Maybe they go somewhere else and become your customer, or they go somewhere else and become your vendor, or maybe they go somewhere else and they find out the grass isn't so much greener. They soak up somebody else's training investment and they come back to you. And then you get a return on someone else's development investment. That's great insight, Bruce. And and it's really great that your organization is doing so much research in this area. It provides a lot of insight for managers and owners. Well, we're doing our best. Well, Bruce, our time has just flown by and we've really enjoyed the conversation. Looking forward to more in the near future is a great book. Not everyone gets a trophy and a great title. Is there any other content that our listeners can look at on your website? Well, I'm honored to be on your show. Again, thank you so much for having me back. And if people go to rainmakerthinking.com is our website. And we make an effort to post a lot of free resources there. Probably the 
quickest sources, if you go down to in the news, or we post new articles almost every day. And so there's a lot of free resources there that we try to make available. Fantastic, Bruce. Thanks again, and look forward to chatting with you more in the near future. Yes, sir. Hey, thanks, gentlemen. Thank you both so much for having me on. Our guest today has been Bruce Talgan, best-selling multi-title author and international speaker, talking with us about some of the research findings that went into his recently updated and revised book, Not Everyone Gets a Trophy, How to Manage the Millennials. You can learn more about Bruce, follow the new articles in his blog, as well as find additional links in our show notes. And please take a moment to fill out our short show survey at the big green button on businessownersradio.com. It will help us know your interests and you can win an Amazon gift card. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.